Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook. Hey, hey, it's another Monday. Here we are. Stop talking, stop telling, and start listening. Um, I'm your host, David Cook, and uh, I was just thinking about it as they were listening to the introduction. We are already one-third, one-fourth of the way through the calendar year. Crazy. Anyway, um, this is a great show today. I'm excited about this show. Uh, Brandon, uh, Brandon Cook, my son, is our guest today. And the reason that I'm excited about Brandon on is that Brandon and I have done a couple of uh, radio interviews and podcast interviews together in the past. And um, one thing that I've learned about Brandon is uh, he's not shy. He says he's shy at times with people. But when we get him on one of these podcasts, he has uh, a very nice way of articulating ideas, thoughts, experiences. He also does a good job of confronting his dad when necessary. So I'm really (laughs) I am really excited about having Brandon on the show. Brandon doesn't know what we're going to talk about. I wouldn't give him any hints. So um, he's he's going to be, uh, I wouldn't say unprepared because I know he's prepared for anything, but um, we're definitely going to have this. So anyway, um, let me give you a little background on Brandon. Um, we will talk about his story a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about his story post story, but uh, Brandon is 35 years old. He's the youngest of my three children. And Brandon had an adventure in his life where he was uh, dealing with a heroin addiction for the better part of about 13 or 14 years. Um, Gladly, happily, um, joyfully, uh, he's been about four and a half years in recovery. And the journey and the work and the time and the effort that he has put into himself has been amazing. It's been impressive. And um, I've said this before on other podcasts and in other conversations is that I have tremendous respect, probably more respect for anybody who's um, in recovery, because I know how much work they have to do to get to that place to come out of the deepest, darkest hole and find a way to live their life moving forward. So I I celebrate Brandon, but I celebrate everybody who's on this uh, in the audience listening to this show who've done the hard work on uh, a, a significant transformational change because to get there, it's a long road. You got to be committed. You got to be all in and you got to be willing to face um, face some of your demons from your past. And so uh, I'm, I'm honoring Brandon, but not only just Brandon, I'm honoring everybody else when I say that. So Brandon, thanks for joining me on today's podcast. Yeah, no, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I'm, not, I'm kind of I'm a little nervous because I don't know what we're talking about. But <laughs> well, the the nice thing about these shows and and what I've shared with people um, uh, at the other side of interviews and and I hope that that my audience experiences this is really the purpose of these these podcasts is to talk, share some perspectives on our life's journeys, but also you know how we've used uh, listening as the uh, you know, as a core component of our communication behaviors uh, to to navigate whatever is whatever ch- tensions we're navigating in relationships or at work or whatever. But most importantly, is for the audiences is that the idea being is that they get to sit in on you and I having a coffee conversation. So um, 
because because I don't believe in hard interviews, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about either. But um, that's okay because that's the beauty of letting things flow and see where it takes us and see what we learn in the process. Can you handle that? Yeah, yeah. I think that's when we generally have pretty good conversations is when we're not planning them. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna start out with something, uh, Brandon, that just popped in my head. So that's kind of how we're gonna go with this. You've said something, you know, and really the core of this conversation is about listening and parenting. But um, there was something that you said have said to me more than once, and as always, uh, I share this with other people. And I, uh, um, and, and I'm going to start with this because I really just figured, let's see where this takes us when I jump deep into the deep end of the pool. But you said to me more than once years ago, and said that um, I didn't. I didn't like the dad that I had when I grew up, but the dad that I have today, I love him. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so, no, that's a, yeah, it's a tough, tough place to start. But go, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you, well, because you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've personally, this is, and this show isn't about me, but I've personally made a commitment to focus on how do we, you know, the the journey that I experienced with you. Um, going through what you went through with your substance use um, stuff and all the yucky things that that were part of that for both of us. Um, the the big aha for me was um, when I realized that yelling at you and shaming you and loving you in certain ways and stuff like that weren't really healthy to helping you find recovery. What they were really doing is reminding you what a total screw up you are. And it wasn't healthy. And um, so when you said to me that, you know, because I'm thinking, yeah, man, you know, I coached your soccer teams and you and I, I thought we had a, you know, I, I was committed to trying to help you figure your way through school because you were a bit of a character in school. So, you know, I always thought that I did a pretty good job as a parent. And I know that, you know, uh, um, I wasn't easy. But when you said that I didn't like my dad growing up, but I love the dad I have now. Um, I think that that's a huge, I, 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 the reason I want to start there is because I want you to share what that means in general, not necessarily about me, but what happened between the dad in high school and the dad you have today. What what did you experience that just was moving for you that you had that? Um, well, there's a couple things there. Uh, one is perspective shift. Um like, as you say, as you were saying, like, there were a lot of things that you did, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, that you did right as a parent, um, you know, like any parent, there was a lot of things you did wrong, you know, wrong. But um, I think um, one of it, you know, like the perspective shift of like growing older and understanding like why parents make the decisions they make. Uh, becomes a little more, a little easier, you know, when you get older. Um, but there's also a component that's like, you have done a lot of things to, you know, better yourself to, um, yeah, just improve your, not only your life for you, but your life for your children. Um, and so like, being able to recognize those things and, um, understanding the effort put in and understanding in, you know, when I was younger, you know, now understanding where you were putting an effort that maybe I didn't, you know, I just didn't realize, or it felt 
um, you know, kind of, yeah, so what, you know, kind of thing. Like, um, I feel like, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's tons of stuff about, like, you know, development of children. And I feel like my biggest issue with, um, parent, you know, like between like my demons and like my trauma and whatever is like those first, you know, those formulative years, the zero to five or whatever, there was severe trauma that even when you started making an effort at, we'll say six years old or something, it's a lot of it was damage done. And so there was like, I wasn't grown up enough to understand that like things can change and like, you know, this, what matters is now, or sort of, you know, like it was like, it really felt like there was a disconnect, like damn like I said, like damage done already. And I think I held on to that for a long time. Um, that it was like something that I refused to look past. And, um, I mean that, you know, it didn't mean no good, but I let it eat at me forever. Like things that, probably you don't even remember like mm -hmm. um you know and like i know we've had that more than once where it's like or i'll be talking to mom or something and it's like really that happens like yeah that happened like that was a really big deal for me <laughs> and like um but yeah i don't know i i think yeah perspective shift and like recognizing um that we're not perfect that like nobody nobody's a perfect parent nobody's like a perfect person um and just like i so i think i've said this to you before sorry i don't mean to like keep running on but um i think i've said this to you, to you before but i like i wholeheartedly believe that every parent every parent does the best they can now that doesn't Agreed. mean that their child gets what they need but i truly do believe that parents do the best they can, even when they don't do anything like that is the best they could, mm -hmm. um, you know? And so I, yeah, recognizing that also like lifts a lot of the, um, like the, uh, personalized, you know, like it, what happened in my childhood wasn't you doing things to me as much as it was things that were happening as a result of who you were and things that I experienced as a result, you know, uh, for who I was like, it, and taking that, like that weight or that personalization off of it, like obviously it lifts a very heavy burden or, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, interesting that you said this, um, also two part of the work that you've done on yourself, but, um, when you're five years old and you know you've experienced something that you don't understand right you experience something you have it it does what it does you know and and, and again this is a, a thing for all parents is is that you know you talked about you sharing an experience with mom and it's like really did that happen um we don't realize that whatever that that thing whatever it is was important to you it was significant to you it was true for you it was valid for you to me, it was like, that was no big deal. I can't imagine that, that that upset you. I can't imagine that was a big deal. So trauma has its own, you know, it it's personal. That's one. But number two, at five years old, you have no capacity for understanding it other than the experience that you had. 
So for you, in the work that you did, you were able to work backwards and recognize things that were traumatic, like you said, that I held on to, that I carried forward, that created a filter, created a filter for my behaviors or a filter for my feelings towards certain people and things. And so, um, you know, it, it comes to light later, but it comes to the, with with the help of somebody who can actually na- help you navigate the trauma. It's something that you then can recognize it for what it is and then learn how to deal with it, right? Whereas, yeah, a five, yeah. whereas a five-year-old has no clue. Yeah, you have no capacity for, like you have no frame of reference. You have no capacity for how you work through those issues. You know, it. Some, sometimes you don't even know that it's a problem until years later. You know, like there's tons of childhood trauma that like people, you know, don't know what's wrong until they get out into the world and go, wow, that was really messed up. And like... Mm-hmm. You know, it can shape us so easily, but like, you know, yeah, it's it's hard to recognize when you're that young what's what's going on. You're just sort of reacting and sometimes your reactions are, you know, shutting down or closing off emotions or, you know, whatever. Well, I just remember, um, and obviously, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, the reason I, and I'm talking about this, you know, for the people who are listening is I know we're being a bit vague, but at the same time, I, I, I'm encouraged, I'm laying this groundwork for a reason. But um, Brandon, um, you know, this is this is my narrative. You know, hopefully you'll let me just do this. But uh, my narrative is that Brandon and I, we um, we have both been in therapy. Um, I haven't been in therapy for 20 years, but Brandon has been in therapy and on and off a couple of times. But there was a there was a time in the middle of his um, we'll call it his addiction venture um, where we talked about going to therapy. And the first time you said, um, I don't want to you know, I don't want to go because I don't think it's going to make a difference. Then a couple of years later, he says, I don't want I, you know, I know I need to go, but I'm terrified of what I'm what's going to what I'm going to find when I open up the box. And then um, I remember this really um, significant event for me was when you had your surgery on your arm when that infection nearly killed you and you were in the hospital room and we're sitting there talking and we're having this great, what I thought was a good conversation because you're taking, you're doing some things, checking the reality of your life and thinking about, you know, how you, where you are, how you got here and what could you do differently or better? And I thought we were having a great, you know, like father son conversation. And all of a sudden there was this moment where your aura completely changed. You went, you went, you went dark. I mean, there was just this, the room turned dark. You got dark and you looked at me and said, dad, I can't talk to you about this anymore. I know I was raised. I know that I was raised in a loving family. I know that you loved me, but there's things that I just can't talk to you about. And I don't know how to deal with it. And when you and when you said that to me, it's like, okay, so I thought, okay, good. You know, we changed the subject because I backed way up because I realized you we were having a conversation that we weren't going to have anymore. That conversation ended and we had to change the subject. We could call talk about sports or weather or the, you know, your beautiful um, eight inch scar on your arm, whatever we wanted to do. But we weren't going to talk about how you can navigate the chaos in your life and move forward because you that you weren't going to go there. So I thought I thought that was really interesting. And then on the other side of that, that's what you did was you found somebody who you could go there with, who you could explore that. And I think that that's important for parents because, you know, there's a saying that we say, I say a lot on this on this um, radio show 
is when you inject yourself into somebody else's story, you change the story. So if I say Brandon, you know, did or did not experience trauma because that's my thing, I'm ch- I'm telling Brandon's story for him. And Brandon basically looked me in the eye in that hospital room and said, Dad, I have a story that I can't share with you, but I do have a story that you don't understand. And I think that that's so important for parents is that, um, you know, we may not understand why somebody is doing something or what their behaviors are, or all that other stuff. But that doesn't mean that we know we can we can hypothesize. What it means is, is that there's something we don't understand. And the best thing we can do then is shut up, get out of the way and see if there's an opportunity to learn so that we can understand. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. It's funny, like, because because I was kind of out of it coming out of surgery, I don't really remember that, but it I know I know why I said it, <laughs> you know, like which is really it was which is funny to me. Like I, I don't remember that at all. But um yeah, I like I think an, another important thing is like with parents and whatever is I really like I'm a proponent of taking away like the stigma of the word trauma because a parent it like inherently feels like bad if if their child had trauma like what did I do how did I like and like trauma doesn't have to be like uh uh physically or sexually abusive like you know whatever like it trauma can be trauma is personal and like trauma can be almost anything and I feel like um like one is parents want to deny that from their child. Like if if, I didn't cause you trauma, like I couldn't have caused you trauma. And um, like the trauma is the child's like to hold and work through and whatever. Like it's once again, it's like taking away that personalization of like experiences. Like most people aren't doing things to us. Most people are just living their life and things happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And um yeah, I think that's like one of the one of the things that's like, you know, a good, a, a good, uh, I don't know, something that should should try and focus on is like there's trauma, like trauma is, is doesn't have to be something specific or like how you think of it, it can mm-hmm. be whatever it is. It's just an experience. It's an experience, um, yeah. And, and it's interesting because you one of the things that you say is this is and you know get back to these are these are. Um, you're going to, you're going to, we're going to hit on themes that um, I'd like to try to reemphasize more and more. But when you talk about when somebody says a parent, you know, here's, you know, it says, you know, yeah, it looks, sounds to me like your child is, uh, is experience has experienced some trauma right away. The parent goes, oh my gosh, no, they haven't. Or, oh my gosh, that's awful. But what happens is, is that we look at it as a parent, as, um, as a personal failing, like, oh my God, you know, really, I didn't protect my son from being bullied at school, or I didn't protect my son from, you know, X, Y, Z. No, sometimes it's, you know, you could be doing the best you can as a protector and a defender and a coach and stuff like that. And stuff just happens. And that stuff that just happens is beyond your control because your children, that's what we raise them, right? We raise our children to become independent contributing members of society in their own way. And so they're going to be out there. They're going to, they're going to experience stuff that we can't filter control or monitor. And even when we do to the best of our ability, stuff's still going to happen. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be able to necessarily help them work through it in the way that you want to be able to, or on your time frame. Like, um, you know, I, I think like we, you know, we've, when we've done these talks and radio shows, I think like the point that we always hit on is like, it's such a simple message, but it's like, love your kid. Like, what do I do? Love them. Like, but how does that look? I don't know. Love them. And like, I think it's like, it's so simple to say, and obviously it's not like easy, you know, concept to live out, especially in times where, you know, you're butting heads or whatever, but like, you know, if you're outwardly showing your child, like that you love them, like they're, they're going to get that. <laughs> they're, they, they will take that in, mm-hmm. you know? And so actually going back to your first question, that's another thing, um, that childhood like what happened since childhood or like now i didn't know i was loved as a child like um i mean it's not because you guys didn't do things or not because you didn't say you loved me it's just like i truly didn't know i was loved like um and that obviously played it that that played itself out for me is like i didn't love myself either and so it was like and then I didn't feel God's love. And so I just like, it was, you know, I didn't know anybody in the world loved me. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of like, what do you do with that as a, as a child? <laughs> um, but now I do, like, I understand that whole, like, okay, like, where did you put in effort? Like, we went to hockey games, like, you coached my soccer team, like, you, you made sacrifices that I had no capacity for recognizing. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, it was all like that. Just not knowing I was loved. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I think that that, um, when we, when, when we would do, uh, talks with, with parents, I think that that was, you know, one of the things I think was a, it was a long time ago. We did a radio show and I think somebody asked you the question said, what would be the one, advice that you would give parents who are going through the same thing that your mom and dad went through and you said um do like my dad didn't love the hell out of them mm-hmm. yeah. and and um that that you know obviously made me feel good but that at the same time when you say i didn't know that i didn't experience my father's love in a way that i that i knew i was loved until later on mm-hmm. and i think that that's a ch- the challenge for parents like you said is um do how do you express your love to your children that's not really what this is is the bigger question is how do your children experience your love for them right you know back to back to the selfless listening model is is that you know be the parent your children need you to be not being the parent I thought I needed to be. And I think that that I will own that shift because that's what happened to me is, is that I always thought I had to be uh, a certain kind of parent. There was a definition that I had. This is what Dave Cook looks like as a parent. And I raised you by those rules. But what I was really doing is I was focusing on me as a dad, not you as a son. And then when we got to this, you know, this, this pivot in our relationship um, in the middle of your, of your journey 
is is that I realize is that what I need is I I don't understand what's going on in Brandon's life. I don't understand what's going on in Brandon's world. I got to figure out what he needs from me because I'm giving him what I think he needs and it isn't working. So I shifted it and says, I'm going to find out what he needs and that, and, and see how that works. And from that point on, um, our, our relationship changed because the focus was how do I, how does my son experience my love every day in a way that he gets what he needs from me? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's like such a crucial thing is, um, you know, your, I, I don't know, like I could see somebody maybe thinking <laughs> like it's almost unfair or whatever, like shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't that work both ways? And like, no, <laughs> you know, like, uh, frankly, like I think, you know, the child has needs that is your responsibility and your responsibility alone to, to provide. And, um, I would say that if you do that, like, it's almost a certainty that like, you will get what, you know, you know, you will get your end of the, the bargain or whatever, but like there, I don't think, and this is kind of tough, but like, I don't think that a child is supposed to do anything. Mm. Um, I just, you know, they're, they're supposed to be them. And you're, you know, you're supposed to best have, like support them in being them and helping them be the best them possible. But I don't think, you know, I see it just so often where parents will do something and it's just like, you know, drives me nuts because it's like you're playing dress up with your kid or something like, you know, let them do their thing. Um, but obviously I don't have children, so I know it's easier said than done. I'm not going to pretend that it's, you know, it's not, but like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, that's, um, we're, we're coming up on our, on our break, but it, um, as, and I want to walk us out to break, but you know, that's, uh, we're going to pick this up when you come back, when we come back from break, Brandon. But I think that that's a real important thing is, um, how we define parenting. I would just own this. I will say how I define parenting. I remember, um, getting really upset with your older brother, um, when he didn't make the honor society, this, you know, this is a kid that, you know, 4.0 through high school, but he didn't make the honor society. And I was so pissed off at him for not making honor society. And it was because of a technicality. But the point was, is that who cares if he makes the honor society or not, if he wants to, he will. And if he doesn't want to, he won't. And what difference does it make? I mean, the kid's getting great grades and he's doing well and he's a good kid. Why did I create a hurdle for him that said, in, for, in order for you to be successful in high school, you have to belong to this club? You know, that's doing a disservice to him. You know, we can yeah. you know, we can argue that we can discuss this a little bit more. But as as we go to break, because I'm going to leave that little teaser with people. Oh, my gosh. Really? We create we create a series of requirements for our kids. Are they really real requirements for celebrating who they are, where they are, the personality has and the gift that they're going to be to this world? Or is it a checklist of things that we say this is a measurement of their success as a kid and my success as a parent? And it's a very slippery slope. And I'm with you, Brandon, is, is that if I create a list of what's required of you for me to be happy, then I'm not serving you. I'm serving myself. And with that, we're going to take a break. 
Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope. And according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Stop Telling and Start Listening. I'm your host, David Cook, and we have my son, Brandon Cook, on the call with us today talking about parenting. We both, um, when we went to break, we both dropped uh, um, uh, our, our heavy opinion on um, letting our kids be our, be, the, be who they are. And, um, you know, I can't imagine that that isn't controversial, just saying that. Um <laughs> Uh, and, and I think about the responses. I wish that I would love to have somebody call in because I think of the responses. And a lot of times it's like, you know, I don't want my kid to experience what I went through. Life was a struggle. We were poor. I had a lousy relationship. I didn't, you know, all that stuff. And it's like, um, I look at that and I say, you know, what my journey is, I have a very interesting journey in my life. I have a very interesting story as do you, Brandon. And the truth of the matter is, is, is that, who you are today is a byproduct of the journey that you were on so far, right? And nothing can change that. You know, we want to say, oh, yeah, you know, I don't mind, want my kids to go through that stuff. But if you look at my, you look back and say, I don't know. I learned a lot on a very difficult journey. But the, the bottom line is I learned a lot. It's honed me. It's made me who I am today. It's given me the wisdom and the message and the stuff and so is was my was my story a, a curse or is my story a gift and if my story is a gift why can't a difficult journey be a gift for other people why do we have to worry about 
and let fear drive and say, well, you know, I want to make sure they have the right relationship. They have the right job and they have the right money and they live in the right place. And they, who knows what the right is? It's really personal, right? Just like trauma is personal. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that was one thing that I wanted to say is like, uh, in reference to, you know, my older brother and the honor society conversation, it's like, uh, uh, an additional thing to that is that if he wanted to make honor society, hopefully he wanted to do it for himself and not for his parents first, you know, number one. But then secondly, if he did want to do it for himself, let him feel the disappointment of not making it for himself. Don't take, you know, his disappointment away from him and put it on, you know, about you, you know, that like all of a sudden you're disappointed about that. Cause then it, you know, it actually doesn't allow him to experience those like, you know, positive, negative emotions or whatever, like, like being motivated to get better as a, you know, a result of failing. Like, I think that's kind of what you're talking about is like, Mm -hmm. everybody wants to protect their child from all the bad things they themselves experience, you know, in childhood. But one, you can't. Um, (laughs) And two, that was your story. That was your experience. Sorry, just knocked my camera off. That's right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, one interesting word in there, because if I'm if I'm disappointed and I think about this now um, in the terminology, but if I'm disappointed that um, your brother didn't make the honor society and I get in his face about not making it, which I did. Um, I came home from an event and found out he didn't make it. And I was all pissed and I got in his face and stuff like that. What I've really done is I've shamed him for not doing something um, rather than, like you said, if it's something that he wanted and I come in and say, yeah, I heard that, you know, the, that you didn't make the honor society. How do you feel about that? Okay. Now what yeah, I'm what doing is. Difference. I'm, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Hey, you dumbass, you didn't make honor society or, Hey, I heard you didn't miss make honor society. How do you feel about it? Yeah, it wasn't that important. It's okay. Why, you know, interesting because I thought, you know, grades and that kind of stuff was important to help me understand why now I get context and it's like, okay, now I realize, and he goes, ah, I was really disappointed, but because of a, this and this and this, it didn't happen. And I'm disappointed. Hey, sorry to hear what you learned from that or how, you know, right. So it's an entirely different conversation. It becomes a coaching conversation. It becomes a loving coaching conversation. Concern, right? Freedom to express. Um, right. Yeah. That's the other. So the difference between those two conversations is one of them, your child is talking to you. Mm-hmm. The other one, you're, t- you're just talking to your child. You're, you know, shaming them, you know, yelling at them, whatever. But like, you know, I obviously you talk about this a lot, but like like asking questions and like, how is your day? And what do you think about things? Or it like allowing your child the freedom to talk is is such a important thing that I think a lot of parents don't don't do, probably don't realize they maybe could do also. Like there's totally gonna be times where child the children are gonna not want to talk, which is fine. But leaving them the ability to, you know, I think is really important. Yeah, because you've told me before is like, I know I I know I can talk to you. Doesn't mean I'm going to, but at least I know I can. Mm-hmm. That's that's the difference. And um, we had a we had a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago, Karen Nowicki, and that was one of the things that was really cool um, in in that interview was 
her son, Ivan, actually would talk to her about things. He didn't talk necessarily talk to her about everything, but he could come and sit down and knew that there was a safe place for him to say, hey, I've got something I need to share with you. But if they know that the response is going to be, you know, what were you thinking? You're a moron. That was stupid. Here's what you need to do to fix it. All that stuff. If they know they're going to get shame and guilt and abuse and all that other stuff, what's going to happen is they're not going to have that conversation because they know um, what's going to happen. And that's not what they want. What they need is they need to be heard. They need to be understood. If they need coaching or loving or guidance, they'll ask for it. And I think that we, you know, as parents, we like and say, oh, yeah, we got to fix it. No, first we have to understand it and we have to decide if it is important enough. Are we being asked to be involved? Sometimes we make business decisions where we think we need to be. But most of the time is, what do you need from me? Back to the need. What do you need from me? What would you like me to do? How would you like me to help you? How would you like me to support you? And if and and if you're and if parents are listening to this, um, notice that that is very it's 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 very relational. It's not parent child. It's just relationship. You would do that with your spouse. You would do that with your best friend. You would do that with a coworker. You would do that with that with somebody who's reporting to you at work is how can I support you? What do you need from me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, taking everything it's it's tough because right uh, we i think i think people are you know to no fault of anybody's but like i think we're inherently selfish because that's sort of i mean self-preservation or whatever like we're gonna think of ourselves first and what it is is asking you to, to put somebody else in you know ahead of you or to think of their interests first and um it's an easy act to do after the fact, like helping somebody is not hard. Like when you, when, when you, when they tell you what they need or whatever, but like that initial step of asking them what they need is such a hard, like it's such a hard thing to do because it's, I feel like it's almost unnatural. Like we're, we're, we're not intentionally caught up in ourselves. It's just, we're living our life. So who are we going to think like, we're going to think of ourselves first. And so mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, putting tension behind like, Oh, there's other people in this world. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think like even with driving or something, like I, that's what always just bothers me is like, why does everybody think that they're the only person in this entire world that matters? <laughs> well, that, and that's that's back to you, you and your filter saying that they're thinking that all they're doing while they're driving is thinking about themselves. So what you've done is you've injected yourself into their story. They're probably not thinking they're the only right. person on the road. They're just not realizing the impact of their driving on others because they're thinking about how they they're they're doing their thing driving. That doesn't make them wrong. It just makes them different than you. And that's where we get into this whole thing about, you know, the whole notion of right and wrong. Who's decided what bad parenting is? You know, I mean, when you really think about it and and we know, you know, in our at least I know there is times where I could have had better conversations with you. That doesn't make me a bad parent. It means in that moment, I didn't have the kind of conversation I desired to have. If we have a lot of bad conversations, that means I could be a better parent. But that doesn't necessarily, like you said, doesn't mean I'm a bad parent. If I love my kids which I do, 
and I love them more than anything else in the world, except maybe for the two grandsons. They're probably ahead of you guys now. But um, <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is is if I love you and every and I do the best that I can in that context, then that's doesn't make me a bad parent. It just means there's some things that I could do differently or better to be more effective. But it doesn't make right. me wrong and it doesn't make me bad. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, like that's what I was saying earlier is like there's even if their needs aren't met, that doesn't make you bad. I think I mean, I don't think there's bad people in this world. There's just things that happen that are sometimes unexplainable or whatever. But I do think like I don't know. I I kind of feel like I don't think people are bad. I right. Mean, you well, I, I think that, you know, back to this thing is, is I agree with you. I don't, um, I mean, bad is an interesting word. Yes, there are evil people out there, right? We've encountered, we see them in the news and all that other stuff. But, you know, it's interesting because I don't know that necessarily, you know, there, there are bad people. But it's funny, the people that we judge, the people that we criticize, um, et cetera, et cetera. It's because we, we have decided and you've even talked to me about this, we've decided that they've done something wrong to me. They've done something wrong in my mind. I'm judging their behaviors. I'm judging their attitudes. And so then in making them wrong, I'm making myself right, which is the first gift. But the the second gift is by making them wrong makes me better. At least I'm not as bad as. Mm-hmm. But, but, but that doesn't mean, really, that doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means that they're living their life differently than I'm living mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sure. I mean, like taking out the extreme examples, because there's there's certainly examples where we all agree. okay, that's wrong. But even actually, you said there's evil people. And like, personally, I don't I don't believe that there's evil people. I believe there's people that do evil things. Um, But I don't I don't think anybody. You know, is born evil. I think we're all, you know, it's neither nature nor nurture, really. And I don't want to get too much into like the yeah, <laughs> psychology or whatever, but like, I, I think that in general, people that do, you know, have acts that kind of baffle us or whatever, they experience trauma in a way that they couldn't deal or like, that's how they dealt with it. Um, and once again, it's just a different thing. It's, uh, I, I will say an evil act that, that or people can perform evil acts, but I really don't believe that makes them mm-hmm. evil. But it, it's, you know, kind of going back to this, we'll you know, work our way a little bit back um, to this whole thing is, is that uh, it still goes, it goes down to when, again, whether when, when in the context of this conversation, we've been talking about parenting, but in, in the whole parenting conversation, if our children are doing something we don't understand, that doesn't make them wrong. It means that we have something we, there's something that we, I, as a dad, need to learn that I don't know. Because I look and say, why the hell are you doing that? It's like, well, if that's the question that I'm asking myself, I need to find a constructive way of asking that of you. Because you're making a choice, you're making a decision that doesn't make sense to me that I obviously don't likely agree with. And I have two choices there. I can either tell you what a moron you are for doing what you're doing and how you're living your life, which doesn't do anybody any good because then you're going to feel shame and um, 
and my, you're going to feel my disappointment and you're going to experience that stuff. And it's not going to, you're not going to want to talk to me or you're going to avoid me when you know stuff didn't go the way. Or number two is, is that I open up the door and I say, Hey, you got me scratching my head. So, you know, tell me what's going on so I can understand why I can understand how, right. I can understand mm-hmm. what, because what I'm doing then is I'm showing you that I'm trying, that I'm trying to find a way to meet you where you are as the dad that I desire to be, which is, you know, the desire dad I desire to be is the person, you know, giving you what you need, mm. you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> Go ahead. so I was going to say, if I can, if I can tell a, a short little thing, a short little story from the past. So Go ahead. I was, when I was a teenager, right. Um, I, I was really like, I had long hair and like, I liked wearing my hair, you know, kind of like in my face and whatever. And it was something that obviously you didn't understand and you expressed that in ways, you know, in your way. And as much as you didn't understand like my hairstyle and whatever, you kind of what you're saying, you never asked, you never asked why I wanted to wear it, wear it like that, you know, um, Cause it was very stylish. Like there was a stylistic reason. It was the music scene that I was in and whatever, you know, like there was very practical reasons why somebody would, you know, do that. But like one, you didn't ask. And then two is like, um, I feel like you didn't like, there was no, there was no need to like, there, there couldn't possibly be a reason that, would make any sense or whatever. Like there, because you couldn't gather in what I was doing and you didn't ask, there was no way for me to not be wrong for doing it. Like um, for me to, you know, like it's obviously just this or whatever. It's like, well, sure. You can jump to a lot of conclusions when you don't bother to ask the person what they're doing. And I think, you know, once again, like that's something that parents will do often is my child is, is doing X, like, um, and I don't mean X like drugs. I meant like (laughs) fill in the blank. Um, And it's like, well, maybe ask them, you know, why they're doing it in a really non-confrontational way and Mm -hmm. you get an answer. Um, But don't, if you invite that, you're not going to. Yeah. And while in, in um, uh, second second or third uh, episode, we had Kate Turner on, and Kate Turner flipped that. She never asks the why question. Mm. And the reason she doesn't, she finds ways to ask why without using why as the word. And the reason she said that is because when you say, why are you wearing that outfit? It already reflects judgment. So, sure. um, you know, it's kind of like, thinking about how do you ask a question, a learning question and say, you know, that's an interesting outfit. What made you choose that? Or, you know, what, what do you like about that outfit? Or, you know, your, yeah, your hair, your hair certainly is different than the way I would wear it, but help me understand, you know, what you love about it. Okay. Or what's motivating you to do it. There is a bit of a confrontation in there. Um, and I, and I don't know that, you know, obviously we could brainstorm a thousand different ways to ask that question. But like you said, the point is, is if you say, um, you know, you, you can own the thing that, yep, it's not my style, but uh, and it's obviously yours. So tell me why, help me understand. Yeah. Right. In a, in a creative right. way. I remember, I remember one time I was trying to get you to wear, um, 
I wanted to kick your ass, but um, <laughs> you were probably like in first or second grade. And I was trying to get you to wear khaki pants. And you said in so many words, actually, you didn't say in so many words, this was the quote, dad, that's not my style. And I wanted to like hit you upside the head because I'm thinking like, who are you to have a style? But what you said to me right then, there should have been a message that shouldn't have it really, when you think about it, why did that bother me? What you made, what you declared to me was you had a boundary and that these kind of clothes don't fit where I, where I, what I want to wear. I like wearing yeah. these clothes. And they're I, not and representative I, of who, the, who I am. No, but they are representative of who I wanted you to be, which means I was trying to get you to, to meet my needs again. Right. You had, to, if you wore, you know, button down shirts and khaki pants, you were dressing like dad wanted you to dress. But is that who you are? And you basically said at first grade, that's not who I am. And I had trouble accepting that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once again, I mean, this is actually a literal version of it, but like playing dress up with your kid. Like I, I, yeah, I say that a lot because I feel like parents do that. <laughs> it's like, I, that's totally good, like to support them and have them try out different things. But if they don't like something or they don't want to do something, you know, the, let them not do it. <laughs> well, I think of, um, and I've shared this story and before, I don't know if I've shared it on the show, but, um, you know, I have two grandsons, they're eight and five and they show up in the craziest outfits. And I'll look at, <laughs> I'll look at my daughter and I say, the hell, you know, cause they're not wearing, they're not wearing stuff that I would like to be seen in public with my grandsons. You know, they're cute and they look good, but when they wear clothes that look like crazy, I'm getting, I kind of get a little wigged out and she goes, they picked it out. This is why is that? Well, I am not going to spend the morning arguing with them about the clothes that they're wearing. They can choose what they want to wear. You know, obviously, she's there's times where they have to wear school clothes. They go to church. They have to wear a certain type of clothes. But for mostly just kicking around, they get to choose. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a great gift that my daughter has given them because it's like, yeah, choose what you want to wear and live with the consequences. Because I'm mm -hmm. not getting caught up in that crap. And yeah. I think I, I think what a great what a great gift because there's no drama around clothes now, right? Mm -hmm. There is for me, but that's my problem. That's not their problem. <laughs> I think the other thing is too, is um, my sister doesn't allow herself to be shamed by other parents. Mm -hmm. You know, some parents will look at, you know, why are you going to let your kid dress up as Spider-Man, you know, and go out in public and, and, you know, Sam doesn't, she doesn't allow that to bother her. She's like, I'm going to let my kid do whatever I want, whatever right. they want, you know, yeah. which I, I always, I highly respect about her is like, yeah. And, and she it, does support that individualism. She, she, and she does, you know, let's, let's be really clear because we're, you know, so people are hearing this. She does have very hard boundaries about a lot of things, but she doesn't, but you know, it's, there's a difference between um, having your kids, um, with narrow boundaries and having your kids have wide boundaries. And what she's done is she's created, she's got hard boundaries, but there's a lot of room in there for, for the, her children to be who they are. Just like the whole idea is that um, they're, they pretty much can do what they want. There's house rules, obviously there's things they can and cannot do at home, but for the most part, they're allowed to be who they want to be at home. They're, they're totally self-expressive free. And the reason being is because when they go out, she wants to, you know, then she knows, she says, okay, now we're going outside. Don't forget, 
the visit, you know, visiting people or going to the gym or going to school, you know, the rules, but when you're at home, it's kind of like, yeah, do your thing, do the things that make you happy. You know, doesn't yeah. mean it does, doesn't mean burn the house down, but you know what I mean? It's do the things that make you happy, that energize you, that give you joy and the freedom to express and experience those things. What a great gift. Well, I think her thing is that she doesn't, there's no rules that she makes or no boundaries that she makes that will impede that ability for the child to be the child. You know, like I think how often, you know, how many times, even when I was younger or whatever, how often you see it out in public where like a parent will yell at a kid or, you know, say they're doing something wrong when what they really mean is you're not doing the thing that I want you to do. It's not them doing anything wrong. I said to stop climbing on that rock. Like, but were they doing anything wrong or were they just not doing what you were telling them to do? And right. like, I think, you know, once again, easier said than done. I get it. Um, but I, you know, I think she allows them the freedom to be expressive. And yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. So um, we're going to run out of time, Brandon. So I'm going to, I'm going to take us to close here, but um, okay. I was thinking there was a, there was a question that I was asked um, with one of my clients a couple, like a year ago. And somebody said, um, how do I manage my, my team? And I said, treat them like children. And everybody kind of laughed. And I said, no time out. Treat them like children. So think about this. When you get a new employee on your team, new team member on your team, what you want to do very early on is you want to teach them what you want them to um, understand and know for the rest of their time at the company. You give them some really fine, there's like, you don't give them a lot of laws, but you give them some really the basics, the fundamentals, which is what we do with infidents and toddlers. As they get older, we introduce them to more rules and regulations, you know, the expectations of society and stuff like that, the family values kind of thing. You can embed those things in there. But at the same time, what you're doing is as they get older and older and older, you're giving them more, more and more space to be who they are. As long as you've taught them what the boundaries are, as long as what, you know, you've taught them what the rules are. But if you try to make them be something from the beginning that they're not, um, it's going to be a conflict. And you know, I wish you could tell this story, but you can't. So I'm going to quick tell this story is that Brandon took a personality test about eight years ago. And he almost broke into tears because it was the first time somebody acknowledged that they understood who he was. And the difference was, is that I raised Brandon in the way that I thought he was like me. And it turned out he's more like his mom and we're polar opposite personalities. This person said to Brandon, here's your personality. Brandon goes, finally, somebody who gets me. So this is the difference between being a controlled dad and a dad who says, who is Brandon? What does he need from me and how I can help him get to where he's looking for? What he's looking for, the emphasis word, is what he desires in life, what he seeks in life, not what I want him to be. Because if I focus on what I want him to be, I'm raising him to be what I want him to be. And he's if it's not comfortable for him, it's not going to fit and there's going to be tension. So my message to the moms and dads who are listening to this show and also people who are leaders in this organization is remember, parenting is about love, okay? 
And you can love your children in any way you choose because you do the best that you can with it. But one of the greatest gifts you can give to your children is not how can I be seen as a good parent, but how can I be as a parent, give my child what he needs from me and what he's looking for in his life. When we do that, when we do that, we're giving them permission to be who they are. We're giving them permission to share with who they are in their journey with us. And we're giving ourselves an opportunity to learn in the best possible ways how to help them, support them, and love them. So anyway, that's my lecture for the day. I actually did some telling. I hope you guys will forgive me for that. Brandon, thanks for being on the show. Um, in the meantime, remember, open your heart, open your ears, open your mind. Remember, when you start listening, everything changes. This is David Cook. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week.